On today's episode of the Locked On Texan podcast, Houston has been taking the last 48 hours to get their head coaching position filled. And what does that actually mean? Plus, a great interview from Adam Petrus of Zebra Sports Technology. But first. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back in, Locked On Texan listeners and viewers out there. Thank you for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. We are free and available on all major podcasting platforms. As we are wrapping up, kind of the uh, semi-senior semi bowl week theme show for the week, Cody. I had a great opportunity to talk to Adam Petrus over at the Zebra Sports Technology crew. Uh, you know, those guys are really revamping what football is and the science to it. I had a great conversation. And a lot of the stuff I wish you guys could have heard and seen off camera, but before we dive into how football is transitioning to the uh, modern ages, Josina Anderson tweeted on Thursday about how the Houston Texans were going about their coaching search. And she tweeted, as of the last 24 hours, the this is on Friday, this show is airing, so now to be closer to 72. But the Texans spent 48 hours or, or so thoroughly vetting the coaching staff plans for each of their finalists to a certain viability, availability, and fit outcome of that review is very important to this process she continued with the texans are starting the process of rallying up on their decision kevin o'connell who interviewed for the head coaching job continues to be thought of highly within the houston's organization o'connell as we know uh he looks like he will be going to the minnesota vikings however she did mention and i was able to you know speak to a couple of people here in mobile that Brian Flores has been, you know, still considered a part of Houston's plan to take over as head coach. So we now know that Kevin O'Connell, Brian Flores, and Josh McCown are the three finalists for the Houston Texan job. But Cody, when I hear, and Jonathan Gannon, I'm sorry. So Jonathan Gannon, Josh McCown, Brian Flores, and I'm going to exclude Kevin O'Connell because he'll be going to Minnesota. So those are the three finalists for the Houston Texans job. But I'm going to look at the word vetting, that they've been thoroughly vetting the staffing plans. And what that screams to me, that word screams to me, they're trying to figure out what coach is going to be okay with this team allowing someone to be a part of their coaching staff that that new head coach might not actually want uh, to be a part of. And it screams to me they're finding a way to fit Josh McCown on this on this coaching staff, uh, Cody, please take over for me. Maybe I'm wrong, but when we look at the word vetting, make a careful and critical examination, and then we use that for each of their finalists for the a certain viability and availability and fit. Right? Who's going to be okay with us fitting Josh McCown into this coaching staff and? You know, I don't, ladies and gentlemen, I don't think that's a great 
like no there won't be a great fit because we just saw how forcing something into a, a new head coach's uh way has turned out to be bad in terms of David Cuddy not being able to pick his own coaching staff. So Cody, I'm gonna let you take the full floor on that, but this franchise, man, they continue to be <laughs> make decisions that, you know, they, they continue to make decisions that are head scratches. Yeah, and look, the 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 fact that they are really truly considering Josh McCown as their new head coach, a guy who has his only coaching experience is as an assistant coach for in high school. That that is where we're at with this organization right now, but John, look, you look at it from a standpoint of, you know, them trying to use or try to justify why and how they're going to hire Josh McCown as their new head coach. I looked at that tweet and I said to myself, this organization just needs more time to see who actually has the power to make football decisions. We talked about it a couple of days ago. Jack Easterby, his guy is Josh McCown. And Nick Casario, his guy is Brian Flores. And... we talked about the possibility of there being a power struggle. And it's funny that we're at this point now because you go back a couple weeks ago, I think it was the week after they fired David Cully and Nick Casario gave honestly what I consider to be his best interview as general manager. He had an opportunity to go on sports radio 16. I think there was a Tuesday morning and he mentioned that Jack Easterby has no say on what goes on on the football personnel size of things. And every time we have an opportunity to ask Nick Casario, what is it that Jack Easterby do? He says he handles the business of everything except for football personnel. So, it's crazy that we are in this situation, John. I'm looking at that tweet and I'm thinking to myself, maybe, just maybe, this means that they are not going to hire Josh McCown. Maybe they're going to bring him along as an associated um, coach. That was a position that he was also offered last year to join David Cully's staff. And, uh, you know, I'm also taking a look at this situation because, you know, you use that word vetting. Maybe that means Brian Flores is the number one candidate because, look, you have to trail really careful on whether or not you're going to bring in Brian Flores, given everything that he has going on off the field. But, John, there's no way in hell this organization can tell the fans, tell media, tell everybody that they are examining every part of this of, of this hiring process and their final decision is going to be making Josh McCown as their new head coach. John, this is nothing but a power struggle, in my opinion. So I think that Casario wants to bring it, wanted at least. I'm not 100% sure or sold on Brian Flores being in the mix for this team. I'm going to be 100% with you. But I think what it comes down to is if, if I'm not going to get your guy you're not going to get your guy, and then maybe Jonathan look at the Gannon. possibility at Jonathan Gannon becoming the Houston Texans next next head coach, uh, mm-hmm. and then we look at the strong possibility of with him coming the next head coach. There's a, a large uncertainty at OC. Uh, Pep Hamilton, I believe, at least deserves an interview. But if that happens, then we'll find a way to put Josh McCown, excuse me, as a quarterbacks coach. And so there's a lot of moving parts when we look at what the Houston Texans are trying to do with this coaching staff. And uh, I think that we just need to be prepared for the worst and 
And that's it, right? I mean, there isn't a lot to be excited about, right? Only because we've seen them go in the opposite way before. When we look at the great coaching candidates that they had last year, I think they had better candidates last year than they did than they did this year. And yeah, so they got everybody thought, year. yeah, because the coaching candidates that they interviewed last year, they thought, well, at least I got Deshaun. Now you only have Deshaun. <laughs> well, you still, I think you still have a very good quarterback that well, that you can groom to be a good quarterback I mean, in Deshaun Mills. Uh, he's not Deshaun, but you also have nine picks compared to last year when they only had four. You have nine picks this year. You have a better salary cap this year. And so I think, they, like, if this was last year, then the candidates' pool would be booming. But it's not. We have to look at what the Houston Texans are working with. Uh, Brian Leftwich, by the way, said, I'm not going to go to Jacksonville. So kudos to him for kind of saying, I'm not going to be a part of that mess. And uh, it looks like maybe Doug Peterson would be a favorite to go and be, and be the next head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I'm kind of curious to see how that works out. So in terms of the Houston Texans, here we are. Texan fans, I'm here to tell you about an incredible app everyone who buy gas needs to know about and get upside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play today. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN for NFL or SCORE for college for $0.25 cent per gallon or more on your first fill up cash back don't pay full price at the pump anymore get cash back using get upside just download the app for free and use promo code touchdown for nfl or score for college and while you're saving money with get upside bet online has you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before as football season continues in march through the playoffs right to the big game in a couple of weeks bet online remains the best spot for all the sports scores action podcasts and news this season don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers that bet online offer for the 2022 season because bet online is where the game starts it's super week brought to you by get upside and there's no better place to get coverage of the big game than the locked on nfl podcast locked on Bengals and locked on rams are in la all week covering the big game don't wait check it out Welcome back, Locked On Texan listeners out there. Guys, I had a, an amazing conversation with Adam Petrus of Zebra Sports Technology. And excuse me, what, what the Zebra Sports Technology team does is they work with the next gen stats. They get those, the probability, the metrics, everything that goes into the game that's a part of the modern game, right? And I think this is a very important conversation to have. Uh, we kind of looked at how it affects the players, how it affects the franchises. So, Adam Petrus with Zebra Sports Technology, enjoy the interview. All right, so let's look at that. Uh, um, Lewis Jones Jr. out of Tennessee, 21.75 miles per hour. He sustained that for 4.68 yards. And then we counted him fast accelerations at a total count of 47. And uh, what that captures, and then let's also distance traveled, six thousand yards, six thousand seventeen to be specific. I mean, he was out there hustling. He was moving around, and uh, I think that that shows something about him certainly. But if we break down the data, I mean, twenty one point seven five. That's NFL speed. You know, we'll talk about the fastest of the day. You know, from day one here in a little bit, but. Um, Sustaining that for 4.68 yards is pretty impressive. And the fast acceleration is us capturing him within a three yard distance, um, basically 
initiating that fast twitch muscle. And that's where we count accelerations within that period of time. And um, that is also impressive as far as his body of work. If we kind of just look at others, you know, the highest, the most of the day was 54. And again, it's a, it's a data point, but when he's putting up that type of speed and has that fast twitch muscle, and, and the fact that he ran that distance, I mean, he's number three on distance covered for the day as well. I mean, this guy's a workhorse. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, I am John Hickman with the Locked On Texas podcast, and I'm here with Adam Petras of Zebra Sports, the exclusive player and ball tracker of the Senior Bowl. You guys know I'm out here this week for the Senior Bowl. Adam, we kind of even, before we even introduce you, we got into the, the science and the metrics, and, you know, can we dive a little bit more into that science and how it affects the players on the field, specifically this week for the Senior Bowl, but you guys partner with the NFL. How do all of this works? Yeah, that's right, John, and happy to be on with you and your folks today. Um, so Zebra Technology is the exclusive partner, as you said, of the Reese's Senior Bowl, and we are the official on-field uh, player tracking provider for the NFL, which delivers next-gen stats. We've been doing the, the, the business of tracking players since 2014 when we first started with the NFL. And what we use is RFID technology, that's radio frequency identification, to be able to track every single player on every single play of every single NFL game. And here for every practice, out there on the stadium and we are looking forward to Saturday's game where we will be tracking both teams, yeah, the North and or the National and the American uh, League teams. So the way it works is we have outfitted every player with their shoulder pads, um, player tracking RFID tags. And these are located underneath the epaulets of the shoulder pads. I me mean, uh, got some props here that the crew can't see, but you're welcome <laughs> maybe to maybe take photos later or some video content. Absolutely. We've got RFID tags that have been embedded into the epaulet. We use a really high performance 3M tag that's custom built for the tag form factor. And we outfit it on the left and right side of every set of shoulder pads. And for linemen, we end up adding a center tag so that as they go down into their you know, three-point stance, because they're down low, the tags then go from up to down. We add the third one so that we can help triangulate the player for exact you know, player performance tracking. And what we do is we outfit every stadium with our hardware, our RFID antennas, that will then capture the movement on the field. So we use RFID, and these are active RFID tags. That means they have a battery life and a, and a ping rate. And these ping at 12 hertz a second. So it's a very fast movement. So that means that's how we're able to capture the movement of every player. So we're capturing their, their acceleration, their deacceleration, their orientation, um, we're also going to be covering, for example, proximity to offender, defender, the ability to separate distance after 10 yards, change of direction, time on the field, and then workout load. We can tell you, you know, guys that are lining up on the left-hand side, you know, for example, a wide receiver, and he continues to run routes on the left. What's he always doing? He's planning on that left foot. And so he's putting load onto that knee, to the ACL, to his ankle, to his calf, to his hamstring, to his you know, hip, bursa sac. And those are some of the things from a sports science standpoint, you look at the number of reps that they're getting out there on the field, both in game and in practice. How did you get involved with this? How, how did the player tracking start? And, and you spoke about some of the benefits for the players, but what are some of the benefits for the scouts, but more importantly, how did you get involved in this science? Sure, sure. Well, you know, my journey working in sports started back when I was in high school, and I worked on the grounds crew of the Cleveland Browns football club. Okay. At the time, Bill Belichick was the head coach, so we're talking about going way back. 
And I was so, in elementary. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, good times for all of us. So, Bill, so we're talking 1995-96 season. And then, a matter of fact, it might have even started in the 94 season. Then the Browns left there after the 95-96 season. And we were without a team. But I was retained by the Cleveland Brown Trust. And then eventually, Carmen Policy and Al Lerner came in as the owners. And, and true, true story, they saw me working hard inside, outside on the field, and I got promoted to work in the executive offices once they, the newly formed team. And at the time, I was then in college at a, a small school, Divi Division three school, right around the corner called Baldwin-Wallace. And uh, I worked for the Browns throughout my entire college career in the front office, got to know coaches, scouts, the GM, the ownership, kind of got to see how the full football business was run. And my mentor was a guy named Billy Hampton who took me over under his wing. And Billy grew up throughout the NFL. Matter of fact, for all the, uh, the Texans out there, his brother Clay is the director of football operations at the Texans. Okay. Uh, and Clay is a great guy. And his brother Drew is the head equipment manager at the Washington Commanders, uh, <laughs> as they are now. Do you like that name? I do not like that name. Okay, we're um, on the same page. Yeah, formerly uh, the Redskins. Um, and I lived in Washington for a little while, actually in Northern Virginia. So I don't think there's a lot of people happy with that right now, but different subjects. Um, so I started kind of on, on the ground floor, rather the grounds crew, and was able to work myself through. I then went and served our country uh, around 9-11, and so I did that for a handful of years. Um, and then I found my way back into kind of business and doing contracts and deals. I actually was a licensed NFL um, contract advisor with the NFLPA, representing players in marketing deals and uh, as well as Olympic athletes. And then um, I got my way uh, with Zebra Sports in 2015 and um, based down in Jacksonville Beach, Florida, supporting the Jaguar operation for uh, Zebra Technologies. And then in 2017, I uh, took over the leadership um, of managing next-gen stats for Zebra. So this is for my Stone Age folks out there that don't really understand why the numbers and analytics are important now. Sure. Um, what are those metrics that Zebra measures and how can it affect the game more for people that, that may need to know about it? Yeah, yeah. And hey, great question. And this is what I love to say about uh, this sense of if you look at teams specifically, ownership, GMs, coaches, scouts, and, um, you know, there's two schools of thought here, right? There are the owners, GMs, coaches, scouts that buy into player tracking and data analytics. And then there are former GMs and coaches, because in today's world, you have to be able to incorporate the, that it's a tool in the toolbox, right? If you're an old school coach, you're like, no, I can just watch and evaluate a player. You're going to be a former coach because the data doesn't lie. You know, hashtag stat that. There are things that the... the I like that commercial. Yeah, those are good. Those are great commercials. But um, the data analytics... It's such a powerful tool. It has to be part of the toolbox. It's not the one-all, be-all, you know, a magic pill to make your team better, but it is going to allow you to do some things to do, help evaluate player and personnel. It's an ability to get somebody back to a return-to-play plan. So we're, we're talking about speed. Speed is always going to be something that a team is interested in looking at. You're going to look at, you know, time since, you know, they hit 80% of their max speed in a practice. You're going to be looking at distance and traveled per player in a practice. If you have a player who's putting on 10,000 yards of practice every day, and the nearest, let's say it's a wide receiver, and then the second wide receiver's you know, closest to him is only putting on 7,000, we're talking about 3,000 yards additional than anybody else doing that 
you know, day after day, that player's peak performance is being impacted when it comes to game day. You know, and that's where they look at the sports science and saying, hey, let's monitor their performance in practice because we want, to, we want them to execute like a Formula One race car in the sense that we, wanna, we don't want to put too many miles on that engine. We want those lap times to be fast, but we also want them to be controlled. And so that's where they, using our live dashboard that we specifically provide, allows for the sports performance, the data scientists to be able to evaluate their performance and actually modify it on the fly during practice. But when you have clubs that have the um, strength and conditioning coach, the director of sports science and performance, and the head coach coming together, looking at the data to formulate the plan, those are the teams that I believe are, are going to have greater success and they're going to have players that last longer in the NFL because they're being properly conditioned and uh, put to use in practice the right way. We have more from Adam Petrus of Zebra Technology. However, it is a new year, so that means new year resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure to include Bill Bar in your daily plan. Bill Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Sometimes that can taste better than a candy bar. And Bill Bar makes it easier for you to stick to your resolutions because it tastes so good. You'll want to eat it. It's not a force. Unlike those other protein bars, which can be very chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it gets boring. And by week three, you're thinking to yourself, mm, it's just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Bill Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Bill Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually can, uh, can carry, excuse me, around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and a dozen of those nasty net carbs. And Bill Bar makes it better to choose and select with them because of the flavors, ranging from coconut almond to peanut butter brownie, all the way down to cookies and cream, and many more. In fact, Bill Bar is always coming out with a new limited-time flavor, so check out Bill.com often to see what's new go to build.com use promo code lock 15 and you will get 15 percent off your order use promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off at built.com welcome back and thank you for making the locked on texans your first listen every day we are free and available on all major platforms don't forget to check out locked on vets hosted by your boy q and handicapping expert lee sterling it's free as well and available on all major podcasting platforms. Coming back in, let's continue the conversation surrounding the next-gen technology and how it is affecting the game day-to-day, game-by-game, week-by-week, month-by-month, and where does the future, what does the future hold for Zebra technology? How receptive are teams now in 2021-22 compared to when this thing first launched yeah. off the ground? Yeah, great question. And it has grown in the sense that the awareness is there. And you see that in the sense that every NFL club now has a director of sports science or director of analytics. They are buying into the fact that it is a part of the recipe for success. And you can go onto any club website and you're gonna find somebody that is either the director of analytics or the director of sports science. And that is where the buy-in has been. And again, it's part of the toolbox, right? It, it's not going to be the one-all, but the smart teams have come to, to determine that there is game day data that they can extract, extrapolate, and they can look at, and then we can make their players better. 
And the same thing from player performance, especially when you look at the return to play. If somebody got injured and you had pre-injury data and you're looking at their, their, their acceleration rate, their deacceleration rate, their ability to create distant, uh, separation after 10 yards, and then they get injured, you have a body of work that you can look at and work against to say, look, no, he's not there yet. Let's keep the, the program of training and rehabilitation to this. So has that helped with, in your opinion, has that helped with players coming back from injury? For instance, this is the golden age of returning back to the field from an ACL injury. Yes. Right? We're seeing multiple guys come back within a matter of months. Yeah. Uh, Cam Akers, uh, Derek, Derek Henry. So is this science also helping with that as well? It's absolutely contributing to it. I mean, certainly, look, um, there are excellent doctors who are doing their part. And we know that there are modern medicines that are helping players recover. And you've got cryotherapy, you've got saunas. There's so many things, I think, that get put into the recipe of getting these guys returned to play. But absolutely, you don't get them to player performance without being able to evaluate that practice performance and rehabilitation. And, and player tracking um, is going to be a specific indicator of how ready they are to return to play. Adam, we're looking at these numbers right now. Yeah. And listeners, they're not able to see it, but we're looking at the data that was tracked from day two, correct? Yes. And so what comes to mind is casual fans or fans of the game, they know about the 40 time, the 4 4s, yes. the 4 5s, yes. the 4 3s. But now we're looking at a chart that has the miles per hour speed and correct. The, how long they sustain that. Can you speak about that science? Because. Yeah. Coming up, the four, if you were in a 4-2 or 4-3, we got to get you. Right. But we saw a lot of 4-4, four, 4-5 four, four, receivers become more dominant at that position. Does that have anything to do with the miles per hour? Can you go more in detail about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, you're hitting on something that is really relevant today. And, like, we're here sitting, you know, at the Mobile Convention Center, not too far from the stadium, and, you know, they're getting ready for the next round of practices. Um, you know, Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, is a longtime scout. And he's now been leading the Senior Bowl for the um, last handful of years. And he has indicated that, um, and he actually put something out on Twitter just yesterday. He's like, um, matter of fact, it could have been, um, you know, looking at um, Jalen Tolbert or Calvin Austin or uh, Velos Jones, as we were talking about. 21.75 miles per hour in the rain. I mean, what 40? The, Who needs the 40? In the rain. Who needs the 40, right? Like, what is the 40 really telling us? And, and to your point, to your point is, and, and I've been talking about this here today a bit, is um, it really comes down to player performance on the field, right? And so a good receiver is going to be a good receiver. And, and you have a body of work of them making catches and making plays. But then when you're able to take the data behind that performance and the fact that, you know, they're able to reach that max sustaining speed of 21.75 you know, miles per hour, to me, we're going to see that the 40 doesn't mean what it used to be. You know, wow. guys running a straight line on a track um, in, in specialized shoes, wearing, you know, singlet. Um, speed is speed's awesome, right? But I want to see speed in a uniform, you know. And I think that's where Jim Nagy is drawing the line saying, you know, guys, we have the technology. Let's apply it to the modern game of football and but allow allow the, the the coaches the gms and scouts to make up their own mind but i think the trend that i'm hearing from coaches scouts even from this week is that player performance speeds is far more important than what they see just out of the 40. 
in five years, where would you like Zebra Sports to be? Ah, uh, man, I'd love Zebra Sports to continue to be the uh, official you know, provider of player tracking for the NFL. I'd love to see us continuing our relationship with the Reese's Senior Bowl. We're going to be, we're at the East Rest Shine Bowl right now as well. In Vegas. In Vegas. Right. We're going to be tracking the HBCU next year in New Orleans. But I would love for us to also take what we're doing for the NFL and deliver it for the NCAA. And, and if it's you know, starting off here in the next few years in a particular conference, let's say if it's the Big Ten, if it's the SEC, let's create that body of work and let's work with the universities, let's work with the NCAA, let's work with the students, and let's create you know, um, some, some data points that will, that will help give us a better idea about the evolution of the game from the college level to the, to the NFL. I'm so glad you said that. I was going to get out of here, but I have to ask you this question. The yes. last time I played football was in high school. Are you guys at any point going to target high schools and how accessible will it be for uh, not only the big time high schools? I'm from Houston, so I think of the Katie's yeah, or, the, sure. or the Atascacitas, but the smaller time high schools like a Sterling or a Worthing, how accessible will that be in the yeah, future? So, and, and I'm glad you brought that up too, because we are seeing that wearables and player tracking, not only in, in football, is the way to go, but certainly, you know, basketball is looking at wearables, soccer has wearables. Um, and tracking devices. So Zebra, certainly we are invested with the NFL. We are seriously interested in growing our footprint in the NCAA. When it comes to the high school aspect, our systems are a little more sophisticated. And so that comes with a higher price point. And it's, it's, it's not, as, it's not gonna be as affordable for mm. the, the schools. Now, those with some large endowments, absolutely. And we'd love to get our technology in there. But at the end of the day, um, there are systems, there are tracking systems that are a right fit for a high school. Um, and even, you know, youth CYO or programs like that, where, um, you know, you can monitor heart rate and other things. Like, that's another whole topic and aspect. But um, our system is, is meant for the major leagues and for the, the NCAA budgets at the end of the day. Understood. Adam Petrus of Zebra Sports, an amazing conversation. And one thing I will say, I hope people are able to take away the importance of the future. Yes. Uh, and I had to comment earlier about the Stone Age, folks. Like, this isn't your granddad's. It's not the granddad's tea. I know that the drink, but it's not your granddad yeah. football anymore. And so the advancement of the game to kind of help players live longer in the game is very important. So I really appreciated this conversation. Yeah, John, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly as well. And, and let me end on one point really tied to that. Uh, it was 2019 that the NFL changed the kickoff rule. If you remember, right. right? And so, you know, how they came about making that decision was tied to the data that came from Next Gen Stats that Zebra provided. So what they did is they looked at all the kickoffs for the last handful of years, and they saw there were so many injuries taking place on that opening kickoff. Why? Because guys were getting a five-yard running head start on the kickoff team. And so they were, just, they were hitting max speeds and, and then making contact. So you had concussions, you had ACL injuries, you had strained calf muscles, hamstrings, um, but contact injuries, specifically to concussion, were occurring. And so when they evaluated that, they made the determination that if we remove that five yard start, we are going to reduce injuries. And that's exactly what has happened. 
Wow. And so that is, you know, the future of the game, health and player health and safety, innovation and technology is helping the NFL preserve the game and create a safer future for the players and for the game at large. My dad always said, work smarter and not harder. And I think that's a perfect point. Yes. Taking away what makes the game not as desirable as it could be or just improving on those areas. I yes. did not know that. Yeah. So that's, that's the great beauty of science and technology and football coming together to say, let's look at the trends. And, and that's what all the good teams are doing in the sense of looking at their practice data and looking at trends, how much they're putting on a workload, how many reps somebody is getting, and they have developed more of a scientific approach. And clearly, you know, with the NFL, and they're going to continue to evaluate the way the game is played. Um, and, you know, we always, you know, you talk about the defenseless receiver rule, whether or not we like that or we don't like that. And, you know, the contact with the helmets, certainly we want to see innovation in the helmet and the technology so that as these, you know, accidental head, you know, um, contact is made, you know, we can determine what was targeting and what was simply a football bang, bang play. Right. But, uh, but your dad's absolutely right. You know, let's work uh, smarter, not harder, and let's use technology to our advantage. If I can pull anything out of that conversation, it was the irrelevancy of the 40 time in the future. And huh. that's something that I thought I'd never see. Not necessarily saying it's not going to be important for scouts to see what the 40 is. However, it's going to have less emphasis on it in the future. And I think it's starting to happen now. You know, I even think about the top receivers in the league and how rarely do they run the 4 2. They're blazing that blazing four two, uh, you know, top four three speed where we're seeing a lot of four four, four five guys who aren't as fast as maybe as a John Ross. However, it's how they break away at the top of their route because um the, the straight line speed is not going to be an emphasis anymore. Uh, and, and I like that technology. I wasn't a believer in it a couple of years ago. Uh, we talked a lot. I talked about a lot of great things. And I, again, I wish you guys were able to see some of the advanced metrics and, and how they use that. Like one that really, really did a number on me was we talked about a little bit yesterday when we looked at Velas Jones, but the miles per hour. Right, he clocked in second on the day on day two with 21.75. But what also goes with that is how long he was able to sustain that miles per hour for how many yards, right? And how many yards did he run at that speed throughout the day? So these advanced metrics, coaches are using them now to scout these players. And I think it's very important to discuss what all goes into scouting the players, bringing them in, and how this will change the game of football. It will be a part of the modern game of football. And it's time for people to jump on board. I'm jumping on board. I think you guys should, too. If you want to check out the Senior Bowl Advanced Metrics, please go check out Zebrasports.com. Again, that is Zebrasports.com. That's where you can go see the miles per hour, the how long he sustained that throughout that time span of running whatever he was doing, how long, how many yards did they run in a day? All of those things have been grouped together for each scout, for the wide receiver, all the way down to the offensive lineman. Great technology. I'm behind it. I, and I suggest you guys check it out. I'm Johnson Sports Guy Hickman. Thank you for checking us out for the week, for the Senior Bowl week, as we have some prospects that we will continue to discuss next week that we've missed out on. However, day three, we're not able to actually physically be there due to the cancellation of 
outside practice for rain. So we were able to get some tape and some film on other guys. And there were some guys that continued to separate themselves from the bunch. But I'll, again, I'm John from Sports Guy Hickman. Follow me on Twitter at John underscore Hickman 12. And like us on Facebook. Follow us on uh, YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube at Locked on Texans. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, catch you Monday unless the Houston Texans hire a coach over the weekend. Peace.